Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. And if you enjoy listening to our show, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button on the episodes. Finally, aside from our podcast, our day job here at RiderFlex is to provide recruiting, staffing, and consulting services. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get the information on the services we provide. And now, a quick word from our sponsor and friends at Marketing 360. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Yeah. Allie Rayfield on the Rider Flex podcast. Hello, Allie. Hello, Steve. Nice to meet be- you. Nice to meet you. Because of your company name, has anybody ever talked to you like later on in the conversation? They're like, oh, that's Allie Ray. No, no, no. Wait, not Allie Ray. It's Allie Rayfield. <laughs> A lot of people call me Allie Ray. Do they? So, okay. Yeah. My first job out of school, there were two Allies. And my name just became Allie Ray. And so oh. people early in my career, like Carrie, they will refer to me as Allie Ray. So that's why you stuck with that for the consulting name. Yes. I see. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Tell, tell me about uh, the young Allie, childhood, <laughs> parents, siblings, where you grew up. Let me, let me have some of that personal stuff. Sure. Well, that Allie was Allison. So my full name is Allison and I was probably Allison until high school. And then, you know, high school happens and you want a new identity. And (laughs) that's when I was like, all right, let me be Allie. That seems cooler. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Allie or young Allison. I grew up on Long Island, New York. Okay. Um, I am. Yeah. Very. It was a very average, basic upbringing, um, middle-class. My parents are teachers. Uh, my dad is an accountant by trade, but he taught accounting at a local community school. My mom was a um, health and phys ed teacher. Okay. I'm one of three girls. So I'm the middle girl of three and they Did are you... my soul sisters. Are they? Okay. Did you yeah. have your mom at school when you were in, when you were in school? Did you have her as your PE coach? No, she stayed home. She stayed home with us and then went back to work when my younger sister was, I think, first grade, but we never, never ever left. Okay. All right. So three girls and which, where are you? Are you the youngest? I'm in the middle. You're in the middle. Okay. Okay. Well, what do they say about that? If you're the middle child, what does that mean? I don't know. I've heard all kinds of different things. (laughs) Um, You crave attention. Um, Gotcha. Yeah. You kind of go off on your own. You're always... Yeah, it's not the first and it's not the baby. So you're just, you're there. You, you, you're looking for things to get attention. That's what I've heard. Now you're an extrovert personality. You're, you're not afraid to talk to people. You're not bashful. You're, you're a great communicator. What about your sisters? Are they the same opposite? Where are they in this, in this personality mix? Good question. My older sister is um, more introverted. She's a teacher. Actually, both my sisters are teachers, so they kind of followed in the family footsteps. Okay. Um, Yeah, so my older sister is more introverted. She's a reading specialist. My younger sister, I think she's probably in between us. She's definitely social and extroverted, but she also is, you know, has some introversion too. Okay, what does she teach? She teaches special ed. Oh, oh, she's a super patient person then. She was maybe she's got more patience than you guys. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think I lacked the patience. I think I did not get the patience gene in my family. Now, were you the troublemaker? Are you the one that got the most trouble? Who got who got like, uh, you know, the cops called on them in high school or whatever? <laughs> you know, who who is the troublemaker? I think I got I think I I think I was in the or how do I say this? I think I was misbehaving the most, but I didn't get in a lot of trouble because I didn't really get caught. Oh, um, <laughs> My, my younger sister got the cops called on her, like from having a party at the house. And, you know, uh, she was probably, that was an isolated incident though. We're all good girls. I mean, were you, were you, okay. So were you, did you go wild in college or are you still pretty, pretty, pretty conservative? No, nah, we all had our fun. I think high school for me, was a little bit more rambunctious than college. Okay. okay. Um, 
I did go to college, though. I went to the University of Scranton in Pennsylvania. I saw that. Um, why did you pick? Why did you pick that? So it's funny. It seemed to be like a. Um, it was a popular choice among within my high school. So there oh, really? was a bunch really? of kids that went to Scranton. My older sister went there also. Interesting. Okay. All right. And interesting. You went to school in Pennsylvania, coming from Long Island. By the way, there's. You live in Boston now. I do. I live outside of Boston now. Okay. There are certain words that you use where I know where I would know you're from Long Island, right? There's certain words, very, when you said the word very, and then there's some other ones in there where I'm like, okay, right there's Long Island. <laughs> uh, do your parents, do your parents have a stronger accent? Yeah. They say things like mother, father, you know, coffee, <laughs> like those are the words that seem to stick out. Right. Yeah, very good. I can hear yours is watered down a little bit now, though. I, I, I can tell. Uh, did yeah. you get to, did you get to, uh, so you, all right, when you went to Scranton, did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up then? Or you're like, ah, I'm going to major in communications. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> right. But oh, I, didn't know that. I knew I really liked advertising. Like I knew I liked, um, like I was drawn to ads. Which okay. is kind of a weird thing to say, but okay. um, I guess as a kid, I always liked that, what I understood as advertising. All right. And I knew I wanted to study that, but I didn't really know what that meant after school. And also communications was a major that was, stand, like, uh, how do I say, like, it was common, you know, it was like, mm -hmm. if you go into this, you can kind of go in different areas if you right. decide that you don't want to go there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Plus, it's a hell of a lot easier than accounting or some of the oh, other yeah. majors. I, kn I know because I was a communications major. <laughs> I started out as an accounting major and then like I cheated my way through accounting one because somebody had all the tests and I didn't go to class and I had all the tests. And so then when accounting two came, I was like, oh, shit. OK, I don't know anything. Now what do I do? So I decided to switch my major. <laughs> But my my counselors were like, yeah, you're not very you're not very smart. You might want to just communicate. This is probably something you can get through. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, so all right, it. you come out of Scranton. You come out of Scranton. You go into sales. I guess what happened? Did did the people you knew they met you and you're like, well, she's got sales personality. Is that what happened? <laughs> it's funny. I I graduated in 2000, so it was kind of this dot com boom time. Okay. And a couple of people that I knew from Scranton were getting jobs in the internet industry and digital advertising. And I, it's so funny. I literally typed in the URL advertising.com and there was a company called advertising.com and I interviewed and I got the job. Oh, wow. All right. So it was on the sales side of, you know, at that time it was, yeah, digital digital ad networks. It was one of the first. Mm, okay. And it was in New York City and it was fun and young. And I remember seeing on the website that there were ping pong tables and free lunches. And that was like, I'm like, how could this be any better? Wow. All right. You stayed for almost six years. I did. It was an awesome, awesome experience. And I've gained some great friends. And that's where I met Carrie originally. I see. Um it was just a good upbringing in my professional start. Okay. Why'd you leave? I think I just needed a change. Okay. Um, All right. I actually remember getting a boss that I just didn't like, and she was uh -oh. kind of my age. And, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like there's always a reason why people leave companies. Um, so that was kind of the impetus of like, yeah, what am I doing? I think I need to explore something else, learn something else. Um, and then I went to Thomson Reuters, which was totally different. It wasn't the network mm -hmm. side of the business. It was the brand side of the business. And I felt like that would be a good, you know, good area to learn, you know, what it meant like to represent a brand as a seller. And then uh, you didn't like, and then you didn't like it. I didn't love it. I, <laughs> I really wanted to love it. I loved the people. It was just so not for me. Like I was, at that time, maybe 27 ish. And, um, I was selling like business and finance news to like, that's just not my personality. It wasn't, you know, felt, felt misaligned, you know, uh, okay. I could have chosen a brand that was a little bit different. 
Okay. And you were 27 then. And then what's your social life going on? What's happening at that time? Are you married? Are you kids? Are you partner? Are you single? What, what's What's happening with you personally right about that time? Yeah, I was about to get married. I got married. I've been married. Tw- I am married now, but that relationship didn't work out. Um, but I was about to get married. I got married first at 28 years old. So when I was at Thomson Reuters. I see. All right. All right. And that marriage didn't work out. So that for that job didn't work out and that marriage didn't work out. <laughs> right. Something was in the water around that. Time. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, but that's an interesting thing though, because it kind of shapes you. Right. So what, like between 28 and 30, right in there, like you had some, you had some major, there's a bunch of changes going on right in there. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I didn't wind up getting a divorce till I was about 34, 35. Oh, okay. So, okay. I mean, that relationship was strong and great. And, you know, for, for a lot of reasons, it didn't work out, but yeah. um, it was with my college sweetheart. So again, it was like, you know, kind of a, not to compare it to why I left ad.com, but, you know, there was, you know, I felt like there was like learning and growing that I needed to do differently. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. You know, then, uh, okay. Any, any children, by the way? No, but I'm expecting my first baby now. What? Oh, cool. Congratulations. Yeah. All right. Hey, I'm oh. doing that a month's time. You're doing a month. I can't even hardly. T- <laughs> I wouldn't even have known you were pregnant. Are you kidding me? You haven't like gained any weight in your face or nothing. Holy cow. I know it is all belly. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't even have known. Well, congratulations. Boy hey. or girl. Not sure. You're going to do the surprise thing. Yeah, we're doing the surprise thing. All right. What's your husband do? He's in software sales and he does real estate also. Sales. He's in sales. What'd you guys like? Like you're late one night at a holiday in bar on a sales on the, on the road from a sales visit. And you're like, Hey, what's your name? But how did it happen? (laughs) (laughs) No, he's actually good friends. Um, I met through my younger sister. He's really good friends with her and her husband. So, Okay. okay. Yeah, so your sister, so you, so you went through your divorce and your sister felt sorry for you because you were alone. So she matched, matched Megan and hooked you up. I understand. Exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. Now, congratulations on the baby. That's super Thank awesome. You. So, so, so back to your career, millennial media, you stayed there for like seven years and moved up and got promoted, right? That was a good, good ride. That was an awesome run too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and- what happened? Why'd you leave? Gosh, why did I leave? Um, got, prom- got promoted or got, yeah. got recruited. So I got recruited by, by Kip, I guess is how you say it. I don't know. Keep. Oh, um, oh it's Keep. Sorry. Keep. Yeah. yeah Sorry. I knew it. That was an internet name. You know, they always, everybody had to be a little bit different in their spelling. Uh, did you get recruited um, by them or what happened? No. So this is kind of another crossroads story. Like, I feel like I had a couple of crossroads in my life where, you know, for whatever reason, things were moving me in a different, different okay. direction. So mm-hmm. millennial was awesome. Again, like great upbringing. I learned a ton. That's where I started managing people. Okay. Um, I started there as an individual contributor. And then, you know, I grew to run the East coast of the company awesome. from a revenue perspective. Mm-hmm. And we, um, there was an acquisition and things were just kind of being jumbled around and, mm. I was either offered, you know, is that a moment where I was offered a lateral position or that there wasn't going to be a position for me at the company anymore. And so it was essentially being replaced. And like, that was, it's funny. That was around the time that I was going through this, my divorce. Mm. It was a total moment where I felt like the universe was just kind of like shaking things up. Like this is not where you're supposed to be. And I decided to leave the company. I didn't really have a plan. And, you know, thankfully I got, you know, a nice severance in order because I was there for a long time and I had a couple months to figure okay. things out. Okay. Um, so I went to Italy. I went to Greece. Cool. I traveled. Like it was, it was a good moment in time for me personally. Great. And, um, and I didn't really feel that connected to the industry at that point, but okay. I didn't make the change to leave at that moment. I went to keep, and that was awesome because it was a national role. And I felt like I was growing and again, learning something, learning a different part of the business. How big were um, they? How many, how many employees? Keep was small. Um, 
you know, under under 30 at that time. Okay. 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 So you but you were reporting right to the CEO as chief revenue officer, huh? Yeah, which was oh, that's that, was that's great. a great yeah. I mean, that's great experience, right? I mean, it's super good experience. Small company reporting right to the CEO, head of revenue. Okay, I mean, that's good. Yeah. Awesome exposure. I had exposure yeah. to our investors for the first time. Awesome. I helped, yeah, I helped raise money. You know, we went through mm. a couple rounds of financing when I was there. Great experience. So that was yeah, it was huge. It was a great learning experience. Okay. Um, and then if I can keep going, I don't know if you had another question. Go for uh, it. But it, you know, there was, there was an, again, another life moment where um, my mom actually passed away suddenly. Okay. And I was probably at keep around that time for three years, maybe, yeah, maybe three years at that moment. And again, I felt like there was this, pull to kind of figure things out. And, you know, it was obviously a tragic event. Not, it was a um, sudden event. It, it was sudden. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I really kind of was like, what, what am I doing? You know, like I like this industry from the outside looking in, I felt really successful and, you know, connected, but there was just something that was asking me to, you know, re reevaluate my life. Mm. Um, and I actually hired a coach at that time. And, you know, through coaching, I kind of saw that I wasn't really thrilled with this work. And okay. I was at a point in life where I started dating my, um, my now husband and he lived in Boston and I was in New York. And it's kind of this moment of like, life is short. Like, let me try something new. Let me, you know, really okay. try to figure it out. Um, Again, it's funny. You asked, like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Like, I was doing this at then now 37 years old. <laughs> and um, and I like, I'm so appreciative of those um moments of reality of you know being able to how do I say it? Like, yeah, reevaluate what was going mm. on. And I learned so much about myself through coaching. And that's really what kind of brought me to this present moment of being able to be a coach, you know, move into the executive coaching world, but also, um, or move into the coaching world, but also help professionals, you know, during, during their moments of transition. When you, when you met your coach, like after a while, were you like, man, I like, I like what this coach is doing. Like, this is a cool profession. And I think I could do this too. Like, did that just kind of formulate over time a little bit? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like she was positioning herself as a life coach and she actually was someone that um, I worked with at Millennial. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So wow. it was oh. a very trusted person and I'm like, sure, I'll, you know, I, I think I could use this, you know, just in general. And then so, I, exactly what you said, mm, I saw mm. that I was like, Ooh, the, like the wheel started turning. Like, I think I could do this. I think this is what I would want to do. So let me get this straight. When your sister sets you up with the first date with your now husband, he meets you and you're like, yeah, listen, I don't really have a job. I don't, I don't really know what I want to do with my life. I'm kind of lost right now, but yeah, let's go on a date. <laughs> he's probably like, he's probably thinking, holy shit. I, okay. What what the hell? I gotta get out. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> uh, no, I fooled him. I was like at the height of my career at that time. I fooled him. And then I kept my job and moved to Boston. He was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Then you, then, you, then you quit. He's like, what are you going to do? And you're like, I don't know. I'm moving to Boston with you. Exactly. <laughs> so good. That's pretty good. Okay. Um, all right. So this, this coach was a big inspiration on your life, obviously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so then what you kind of formulate, talk, walk me into formulating the plan now for Ali Ray and like, what was this over months? And then you, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. Walk me into it. The transition. Yeah. Go for it. Sure. Um, so I guess I hired my coach. Um, her name is Karen Scott. She's great. And, or Karen Ozeri, that is her new last name. Um, the timing is funny because I was at keep for about nine months before I decided to leave, or I was in the last nine months of being a keep is when I was working with this coach. Okay. 
Um, so it wasn't an overnight, like hired a coach, quit my job, you know, brazen, you know, feeling yeah. really motivated to change. It was like a lot of what do I want to do? What do I, um, what do I like about this job? What are, what are, what do I hate? You know, and it was really kind of identifying, um, what would I miss if I did leave and then building up the courage to leave, you know, which, which took about nine months, you know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left in August of 2018 and, what I realized at that moment was that I didn't want to just, I just still didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know coaching was the thing. So when you, Oh, so when you quit your last day, when you walked out of keep, you did not know coaching was going to be the thing. Correct. What'd you have a big savings account? You had a lot of money in the bank on the side or will you save it <laughs> up a little cash? Yeah. Thankfully I did have a savings. So, okay. All right. All right. I have to right. rely on my husband or boyfriend at that time too much. Okay. I just, um, okay. All right. Yeah. So, so you yeah, leave, that, so you, you leave and you're all right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I left and I did another couple months off, like similar to what I did when I went to Italy and Greece, I had about five months and I said, all right, I'm going to give myself to the end of the year and figure it out. And everybody thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy. It was like the first time I really pressed pause to, without a plan. Did you like get, what'd you do? Like get to Subaru and drive around the country and just like be, like be a hippie and like camp out or what, what'd you do? No, I still want to do that. Actually. That's like on my bucket list, but I, I didn't actually, I just kind of stayed in Boston or stayed in the surrounding areas. Um, I was trying to build my life up here, you know, okay. kind of felt okay. like it was okay. you know, the time to see what I wanted to, you know, how to build my life in Boston. Okay. All right. Um, and what I missed, I guess what, what I realized during that time was I missed the people. I missed all of the development, that stuff that I was doing with my team. You know, I had a team of probably 15 people and I missed those conversations, like those one-on-ones. I know that sometimes in the business world, like these one-on-ones people, you know, dread or skip and, you know, delay. Mm-hmm. And that was the stuff that that's where I felt most alive when I was like really helping my team, whether it was like account stuff with sales, but a lot of it was more, um, you know, confidence building and, you know, block, you know, getting people to think and have a new perspective. And, um, I realized that those were the things that I was missing, which led me to the idea of, wow, if I could coach, if I could do this, but not have to work at the company, you know, not have to run a sales team, like that could be a really good, profession. Okay. All right. So then what you looked up alleyraid.com and, and you're like, Oh, cool. I'm buying the, you're buying the URL. <laughs> uh, right. yes, I, I mean, I actually had that URL from years oh. before. Oh, um, cool. This is a total aside, but I used to have a jewelry making business and it was called That's- Alley Ray designs. That's what that is on your LinkedIn. I'm like, well, what's this design thing? What is this? <laughs> Okay. Oh, that's what that is. So you had the URL. All right. How did you um, get your first customer? Did you start dialing for dollars and telling all your friends, Hey, I'm doing coaching by the way, if you know anybody, did is that how you did it? Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. the best part about it was it was all referral based. It's still a lot, a lot of it still is great. And that's wonderful. Yeah. I feel really lucky. I have a great network and you know, trusted clients. So I do get good referrals still. And um, my first clients were these first time C-level executives. It was people that were exactly in my position just a couple years earlier. And they were trying to figure out how do I be a C-level? This is my first time doing it. I'm used to doing the work versus creating the vision. And I was helping them. Um, so it was it was so aligned. It was really cool that, you know, even though I was only a couple steps ahead of them, I could, you know, help them in a way that, you know, they felt like I was a sounding board. I knew where Mm -hmm. they were coming from. Um, I had this approach that, you know, I've been in their shoes, which I think is, is really Mm -hmm. helpful, especially in those early days of, for me to build my confidence as a coach and also to, 
you know, help, you know, get results with them, you know, pretty quickly. Mm, great. So that's great. And you built up a referral network. And so give us as the business stands today, give it, give us the Ali Ray consulting or Ali Ray executive coach. Give us the three minute elevator pitch. Go for it. Um, so I will say that my business has changed. Um, okay. And the, the biggest piece over the last three years. So maybe this isn't the elevator pitch, but I'll kind of bring you up to where I'm at right now is that I help people figure out their next moves. You know, Mm. it's pretty simple. And what I love about that is that, you know, people, especially in the last two years are at such a different place. They were two years ago with their careers. You know, we've all been, you know, uprooted from where we were and we're looking at our lives really differently about like, what are the things that I want to accept in my life? What is the, you know, career that I want? You know, people have been forced in these like squares and, you know, are we satisfied with our careers at this stage? So who I help now, and actually I'm launching a um, kind of a group program early next year is help um, creative professionals Um, gain control of the second stage of their career. So it's the people who are at those crossroads and saying like, yeah, I'm successful. I'm smart. I've, you know, earned a lot of money, but this just doesn't feel right. And I want more fulfillment and I want my life to look differently. And those are the people who, you know, in the last year have been, you know, seeking my services. Mm. So it is, it is different from, when I first started. Um, so I guess the pitch is like, if you're at a crossroads, if you're frustrated with yourself that you haven't, um, you know, taken any action to figure out your next, the next phase of your career, like those are the people who I'm helping. Mm, Very good. And do you sign? So really it's an individual service. You're not signing a company and doing all the executives you're talking to private individuals, one-on-one type of deal. Yeah. For this specific, um, initiative, definitely. Okay. Um, I am working with corporate clients, um, still, and, you know, I do see that that's going to be a a part of my business, you know, for Mm. the foreseeable future. Okay. Um, what I do with companies is, yeah, I work with like newly formed leadership teams Okay. and I'll do a combination of you know, leadership workshops as a group and also one-on-one coaching with the individuals. Um, But it's been hard to ignore that a lot of my personal clients this year are, you know, they're a little lost, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, I think I need some support in figuring out my next step. Mm. Are they usually C-level? Are they VPs? Are they, is it a mix? It is a mix. Um, Most of them have been or are at that, you know, upper tier VPC level. Okay. Um, okay. Executive. And do they do they also lay down on the couch and confess? You know, is, is this what does the personal stuff bleed over into it a little bit? Probably, huh? It does. Yeah. It's funny okay. when I everyone comes to me for professional support, right? And very quickly. Yeah, um, I the would. personal stuff comes in. Yeah. Because it just bleeds together. It's almost impossible to separate it really. Totally. You know, it, it, it really is. is. And is your service virtual zoom in person, both? Yeah, it is virtual. Um, okay. a lot of my clients are West coast or New York. Um, so it's, you know, the, I do everything almost, almost everything on zoom. Okay. Uh, and is it by the hour, by the session? Do I sign up for six months? Do I sign up for, how, how does that work? Yeah, it is pers- for actually for both corporate and personal. It's usually like a three to six month engagement. Three to six months. Okay. What if I don't want to commit to sit three months? What if I'm like, I don't know. I want to test. I want to date first. What, what if, what if I don't want to sign up for three months? As much as I want to date people, like I don't think that you get the most results when you're just trying to feel things out. Okay. You know, you have to be ready. You have to be at that stage where you're ready to, you know, commit. And a lot of people, 
a lot of people are. Okay. Do you pay by month or do you have to pay all three months up front? You have to pay all three months up front. Okay. Is that because you've been burned? Is this a safer, safer business model for you? Um, no, I haven't been burned. I just well, find you, well, that. You, have, you haven't been burned because I got to pay up front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, um, there's, there's an energy to committing fully. Oh, I like that right there. There's an energy. Oh, I'm going to tell Scott that my sales <laughs> guy. There's an energy to committing. Oh, that is a good line, Allie. I like it. Thank you. Oh, uh, I like it. Well, I think I like it's true. It. You know, and the in the even if I look at myself as a consumer, like if I'm wishy-washy about something, I might not put the most effort in. Okay. And when people do commit and they commit financially, you know, they just show up differently. It's it's like I'm ready to go and I'm ready to kind of create this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm you know, create something for myself. It, it is an investment in themselves. Is there some sort of tax benefit, like, like a coaching or class? Can you write this off on your taxes as like a educational thing or anything? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I'm not a tax guy. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I know, know a lot of, com- a lot of my clients do ask their companies to reimburse them. You know, a lot <laughs> of companies right now are giving them, you know, education, okay. or mentoring um, stipends. So okay. That's a, that's a positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So, uh, and by the way, for the listeners, it is AllieRay.com. Uh, and you can also find Allison Rayfield uh, on LinkedIn. Find Allison Rayfield. I noticed that you, you're not, you don't, you don't spend a ton of time on social media. You don't, uh, you're not a huge social media person. Um, and so I, I assumed I came into the conversation thinking, Okay, well, she must have a lot of referral business because she's not, she, she doesn't spend a ton of time on social media, which usually means your business is stable enough and you're getting enough referrals where you don't have to most of the time. Thank you. I mean, I could always, you know, I always, I'm taking new clients. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. No, right. I, yeah. I appreciate that. I, I find it's funny that you mentioned social media because, um, I'm not that active, but I think that I get stuck, you know, like if I'm, if I'm thinking of my own areas of improvement, um, the consistency is really hard. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I find that. And just like I mentioned before, like I have, I'm doing some corporate work. I'm, you know, seeing a shift in the business that is really personal and personal career, career development. So there are moments where I'm like, what am I posting about? You know, which is, You know, who is my core group? I think that it's shifting. So sometimes I get stuck and I just don't post. (laughs) So um, the consistency thing, I think I'm I'm glad you brought that up because it's a good tip for the listeners. Uh, Because I've gotten that many times. People are like, dude, how do you do this? Like every day you guys are always just posting something. You're just so consistent. And, And when they say that, I say. Yeah. And it's really hard and takes a lot of time. <laughs> so yeah, like this shit don't happen by accident. No, it, it takes investment <laughs> for sure. It's very yes. difficult. It's very difficult. Um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit here about how some of your clients might be feeling and how I might be able to relate to that because I've been sea level, right? I've, before, before, right. Well, now I'm a founder of RiderFlex, a, a recruiting firm, right? And we're like a $2 million firm. So we're a small company. So it's startup, which is super stressful. But mm-hmm. I was also a CEO and a COO of a couple of $40 million companies, right? So I've lived both lives. Sure. And there is, I, I, there's, there's definitely a need for somebody like you to just talk, to just be able to talk to, quite frankly. I mean, a C-level position is a very lonely place, uh, professional, uh, professionally, especially the CEO position, but C-level in general is very lonely. You know, what I, what I would say to the listeners is this, most companies like 90% of companies are not GE and Google and, and Nike where they have professional C-level training courses and checklists and all this other crap, you know, when you get promoted, 90% of the small and medium-sized businesses out there, here's how it works. One day you're like a director. And then the next day the owner comes in and says, Hey, by the way, you want to be chief revenue officer? Okay, cool. Here you go. You're chief revenue officer. 
There's no training. There's no checklist. There's no handbook. Figure it out. That's how most of it goes. And because of that, because that's the way it happens for most people, then several things happen, right? The imposter syndrome happens where you're like, okay, do I yes. belong here? Am I good enough to be here? Do people really know I'm not qualified? Holy shit, I'm scared. I don't really know what I'm doing. You know, all that happens. And the stress of trying to, you know, okay, now I need to act like I know everything. So I'm going to not ask enough questions and I'm not going to listen enough to my team because I got to look competent, even though I'm scared shitless. Um, all of that uh, happens and it's super stressful. And then you start working 70 or 80 hours a week and you're traveling around the world, staying in hotels and you're missing out on your family. And yeah. then pretty soon, then pretty soon what happens is you're making better money. It's okay. I got to buy the bigger house, live in the bigger neighborhood and drive a nicer car. So now you've maxed out all your money you're bringing in anyway, and you don't really save it as much as you should. And now you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and now you're super stressed. And then one day you wake up in that hotel room and you go down to the hotel lobby and get the shitty ass coffee and you go, you know, well, what the hell am I doing? Like, what am I doing with my life? That's when you call Allison. <laughs> that's true all of that is so true i live that too you know it's really is true because you do have those moments where you where you're like what am i doing what am i doing isn't it interesting when you're in your 20s or 30s or whatever before you get to an executive position you're like man if i could just make hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year my life will be perfect and everything will be great then you know if i could just make a vp and make 175 then everything will be fine it just never really, there, there's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? It just, right. once you get to, once you get to one mark, then you're looking at the next mark and the next mark, it never stops. It's never good enough, which is why you end up in that, in that, that mentality of what the hell am I doing on this planet? And you're right. Um, then you have life changes like your mother dying or COVID yeah. happening or whatever. And then people really start reflecting. Then people really start having these moments where they're like, okay, what am I doing? And then you plug in, I'll, then I'll be quiet. I'm on a rant here. Then you plug in, oh, then you plug in the millennials that come into the fold professionally. And all of a sudden these millennials are like, Hey man, like if I, as long as I have the money to go camp or as long as I have the, the freedom to go camping on Fridays and I only have to work 38 hours a week uh, and I can kind of like work remotely. I, I really don't care how much I make because <laughs> they don't. Right. <laughs> they're not all about they're not about the material things. So they're, they're about the freedom to have experiences and live life. Right. And then the 50 year olds are looking at the millennials going, oh, OK, well, that's actually pretty cool. I want to do that, too. <laughs> It is. It's we're at like such a generational shift. Big and, time. And there's like resentment to the millennials, but there's also admiration. Yes. And I yes. think, gosh, I think we're in such a shift on so many, so many things, you know, the workplace generations, masculinity, femininity, <laughs> um, like we're all just at this you know, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of tension in like, what are, what were my beliefs before and what are they now? Yes. I couldn't agree more. Like, yeah. It's, and, but everything you said about getting to that point, And I think it's sometimes we're on autopilot between our, in our twenties to our forties Yes. of that career. Like this is just the way you do things. This is just the way people have done it before. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I'm 42, but I will, I think that my age group is, you know, starting to question things a lot more and, and maybe, you know, 10 years younger too, because mm -hmm. of the millennials, you know, they're, yeah. they're a big influence on us. I mean, they are in a lot of ways. I mean, you're right. There are some resentment things too. And there are some things they do that get on my nerves, but, but more than more often than not, I, I do have more of a respect factor for, for the whole I want to live my life for experiences, not material things. Yep. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said by that. So how do you help these 44 year old executives find themselves? I guess you can't just give us all the answers on the podcast because then there'd be no reason for your service. Right. <laughs> you know, I help them slow down. I okay. think that that's like part of it. And that's not a secret. You know, we hear all these things about like meditation and mindfulness and slowing down and, 
you know, experiences, but um, I think that's one of the biggest things is it's an hour, you know, a week, every other week, whatever the timing okay. allows. And okay. it's a moment for them to slow down. It's a moment to, for them to like reconnect with themselves. Like even when I was starting coaching, like, I think my coach asked me like, what are your values? And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> like friends and family and like, and that was probably my answer. Just my values mm-hmm. were my friends and family. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't really know what that meant. So I think a lot of people don't get introspective because they don't have time. And coaching is a way to slow things down, realize what really matters. Like values are really about, you know, what do I want to put, what are my priorities? Um, I think that there's like coaching language and then there's professional language. And like, that's also my job is to make it not to feel so coachy and make it Mm. feel professional. And then people do respond to that pretty well. Um, do you, do you, I, I agree with the language part of it, by the way, I get, you know, we, I've, I've had over 200 guests on the podcast now, and sometimes I get executives on, you know, and they're, they're in their executive language and they're their executive speech. Cause that's the robot world they live in. And then I'm, once I talk to them, I'm like, it's okay, man, you, you can, you can chill out now. You don't have to, <laughs> we can just have a regular conversation. <laughs> Uh, do you, uh, so are you like one of these, uh, cause I've had several people that are executive coaches, professional coaches, life coaches. I've had several of these people on the podcast. Are you like, do you have all these certifications and letters and I don't know, certificates? I don't know how all that works. What, what is that? Does that mean anything? I don't know. I think it means something to me. I meaning like when I wanted, or there's a lot of people that are calling them coach themselves coaches right now. Um, and you know, there are accreditation company, you know, service, uh, corporations. I don't know the right word. Um, okay. I'm not, I'm blanking on the word, but you know, there's the ICF, which is the international coaching foundation or federation. I should know these because I belong to them, but, (laughs) um, I think there are trainings, you know, there are a lot of good companies out there that go through training. I went through a company called um, CTI, which is the coaches training Institute. Okay. Um, All of these provide different frameworks, different methodologies. Um, And there is certifications. There's different levels of certification. Um, I think that's just good housekeeping, you know, good healthcare to, I also like to, you know, I'm so, curious and interested in a lot of the content. So, you know, I think a lot of coaches are, they're like, Oh, now I know about how to, uh, like how my body reacts differently to certain things. So I want to learn about embodiment and that's a different, you know, coaching technique. So there's a, there's a lot out there for sure. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering about that. I've, I've had a bunch of people on the show and I mean, you know, sometimes these letters people put behind their names are just like, okay, so you sent in a thousand dollars to this place and they sent you the certificate. Okay, cool. Like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> Yeah. But it sounds like there are some good ones out there too. Yeah, there definitely are. And the ICF is kind of the standard of, um, the ICF certifies all of the different organizations, all the different coaching methodologies. So okay. they're kind of the big, the big guy out there. That's the big standard. Okay. And a couple more questions. I know we're getting close to the back end here. When, yeah. when you get, when you get the executive uh, that you're talking to, uh, what is the most common thing they're looking for? Are they, are they looking for what's my answer for my next job or what's my answer for my next career? Well, what is the most common thing they're after? The C levels that I coach are just are they're after um, they're after clarity. So they're after making their like professional lives easier. They want to know how to manage their teams better. They want to know you know how they um, you know leave things at the at the door. They want to know how they mm. respond emotionally better 
you know, a lot of people are at their emotional, you know, bars. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them want to figure out how to, um, you know, release some anxiety and handle things with less emotion or less reaction. I should say not emotion, less reaction because of the stress level they're under and the anxiety they're under. Yeah. And most of the stress comes from how do I, how do I stay at this level? So I still keep making this money or how do I make sure I don't make a mistake and I I'm not good enough to be in the spot I'm in. There is a lot of imposter syndrome for sure. Um, it's like, it's funny. It's like reminding themselves why they're there mm. and, you know, reminding themselves that they're, a, they have the credentials to be there, even if they feel like they don't sometimes. Um, okay. It's, okay. It, I don't think it's about, it's not as fearful as I, I don't want to make a mistake. It's like, how do I, how do I own this? Like, how do I be the best version, this be, the best CRO, the best um, that I can be? Okay. You were, we were talking about social media earlier about how you're not super active. Do you ever coach these CEOs around their own social media activity? Do you ever, do you ever tell them like, no, okay. 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 I didn't know if you, I didn't know, like sometimes you get a client, you, you go on their LinkedIn page or go on their Facebook or their Twitter and they're, they're going crazy on social media saying, saying crazy shit out there about stuff. And then you get them in your, your, you get them in the meeting. You're like, what are you doing, man? Calm down. You don't ever no, 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 no. Oh, okay. All right. I'm not the coach for that, but I'm sure there's somebody who is. <laughs> uh, have you ever had to fire somebody? Cause they're just too like way out there. They're like, yeah. Uh, I had a guy tied up in my basement for four months and did, uh-huh. but I didn't tell anybody like anything super crazy. <laughs> Um, not that, but, um, <laughs> you've had stuff where they share it. You're like, okay, I don't need to know anymore. Has that happened? <laughs> no, I actually love that stuff. I love, I, I just think human nature is just awesome. I love hearing the weird stuff. Like the, and also people think they're so much weirder than they are. <laughs> right. You know, people are like, I, you know, this is going to sound crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> yep, doesn't sound crazy at all. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, the longer you do it, the more you're like, yeah, I've heard this. I heard this 20 times last week. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. And then well, your husband at night, you're like, does he, he he comes home? Does he work from home or he works from remote? Yeah, he works from home. We both do. Now. Uh, oh, OK. OK. So you come up, you, you come out of your office for a cup of coffee and you're like, Jesus Christ, you, you should, this guy was just, you guys talk about that probably all the time. I do that with my wife with candidates, with job candidates for other recruiting firms. Cause that's what, that's what we do for a living besides the podcast. I'll interview somebody and I'll come upstairs and I'll get a cup of coffee and I'll just tell Kim, I'm like, Holy crap. You just would not believe what these people are saying. <laughs> I actually try. I actually don't because of confidentiality. Like oh, I, you can't even tell your, Oh, you can't even tell your husband. Is that the, you can't even talk to your husband about it. I mean, I technically could because he doesn't know who these people are. Like there's a lot of nominativity. There's no name telling. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's funny. I I try not to, because I feel like once you do, then it becomes, I don't know. Yeah. There's a line that I feel like I don't want to cross just to anyone. Yeah. You're a little bit like a psychiatrist, kind of a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. You're, you're, you're right. You're, you're close. (laughs) You might as well just go a lot. You might as well just go back to school for that. Plug that in there. I know. Have, Who knows? have you thought about? Have you thought it's about it? Time. Um, I really love a lot of like the psychology of it. Like I, I like to learn that. Um, but I don't think I'll ever go back to school for it. Yeah. I think I can. I think I can avoid that cost and that time, but still learn it and still practice it with clients. Um, who knows though. Yeah. Who knows? Two final questions. Okay. So you're, let's see, I saw what year you graduated high school. So you're like, you're like 40, right? Does that sound right? Are you like, what are you? 42. Okay. Um, I'll be 43. 43. All right. First baby at 43. You're going to be, you're going to, okay. You're going to be tired. (laughs) 
What I mean by that is podcast in like six months and see if I, how different I look. Maybe I'll be grayer. I'll put bags under my eyes. Uh, how old your husband? He's 39. Wow. Rob's cradle a little bit. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, when your kid graduates high school, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be like, whew, okay. Holy crap. I'm tired now. <laughs> uh, uh, where was I? Oh, my two final questions. Yeah. Um, if you could call the young lady coming out of Scranton, right, graduation day, and tell her anything based on what you've learned, if you could just give her one or two pieces of advice, what would you say? Um, I would say to learn who you are and use that as your North Star for the rest of your life. You know, really really love yourself, really get to know yourself. And um, I think that would be really good advice for her. Translation of that might be go on the Subaru hippie trip for six months to 12 months right after college before you start your career and find yourself. Hell yeah. (laughs) Okay. I did a little Uh, of that, but not enough. Me either. And by the way, I, I go camping in the Colorado mountains now at the age of 54 all the time uh, because I didn't do it when I was young. Okay. Last question is uh, your core purpose in life right now. If you had to put that into a sentence, what would that sound like? Great question. Um, My core purpose in life right now is to create a human being and <laughs> lean into this next phase of my life. You know, it's a, <laughs> it's definitely a different stage. So as much as we've talked about work and, you know, this is obviously the theme of that. Like, I feel like my core purpose right now is to become a mom and to do that to the best of my ability and to like, like anything, it's like a lesson in losing, you know, letting go of control. And I think this experience is going to just help my clients. I think it's a new phase that I'll go through that will only help me understand humans on a different and better basis. Very good. (laughs) Allie, thank you so much. Is that your husband opening the microwave in the background? What is he warming up some coffee or what? (laughs) Somebody's back there. I'm not sure. I think it's the door. (laughs) Going on. Allie, thank you for being on the Rider Flex podcast and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. I was so, I was such a nice conversation. Thanks for having me, Steve.